episode of Learned, the podcast, with your hosts, Dr. John Paul and Kevin Allred. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Learned. Hello, hello. Hi, I am Dr. John Paul. And I'm Kevin Allred. And welcome back to another, um, whoo, another, another decade, honey, where we've just <laughs> began. We are back on another decade. How are you? I just want to say, like, kill me now. It's like, <laughs> are we even going to get whoo, another decade? It feels so, like, I guess, monumental. I don't remember it feeling, of maybe just because of social media, but, like, from the turnover from 2009 to obviously Uh when 99 turned into 2000 it was like oh my god the world's gonna end and everyone was freaking out about everything and like the computers are gonna die and what was a y2k virus Mm -hmm. and blah blah Mm -hmm. blah obviously nothing happens but then um i don't remember such a huge like reflection on your life over the past decade when 2009 changed to 2010 so yeah this time i've been like woo it it feels like the end it feels like the end well you know what they're saying i mean 2040 is it for us girl i mean the way that everything is burning and (laughs) it's cold and like canada has gotten like what 18 feet of snow like it's just the world is definitely reminding us daily that she is on her last leg but Mm. um i will say that i am genuinely happy to at least be here to see the last (laughs) the next 20 years i hope and pray that i get to see the next 20 years um and yeah i'm I'm gonna do the best that i can to celebrate that so um we'll go ahead and start off by just kind of like recapping like um how was like the end of your year oh by the way i know that you mentioned this earlier before we jumped into our episode that you're gonna hear a hissing throughout the episode because it is cold talking about cold it's cold where kevin is so um it's my it's my new york city apartment uh (laughs) heater built-in heating radiator making hissing yeah. noises at you um, hey you know what you gotta stay cool you i mean you gotta stay warm honey you gotta stay warm something. um so yeah so how was you know we didn't get a chance to do an episode to wrap up 2019 so what was it like leaving 2019 into 2020 for you it was like fine for me mm-hmm. <laughs> like i was saying everyone was really making a lot of production around it you know, mm-hmm. like kind of doing recaps of the last decade. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't even want to do a recap of the last year, let alone the last full decade. I mean, right. I guess <laughs> I guess a lot has changed. Mm-hmm. But I was like, let's just let's just put our I'm, I'm just going to put my head down and keep keep it keep it moving. Um, and that's sometimes what you have to do, girl. Sometimes you just yeah. have to put your head down and keep it pushing. Yeah, it was fine. So. I mean, for all uh, for all the bad things last year was a good year for me i got my book out um good things happened my lawsuit things was settled with the mm-hmm. nypd um so i was like all right I'm, I'm i had some good stuff i'm ready for the next one i don't know if it'll yeah. be great but let's see 2020 hey. here we come hey. presidential yeah. election um <laughs> There's a lot about 2020 that is not exciting. <laughs> All of that. I am so exhausted. And I, I don't want this to turn into a conversation around politics. But <laughs> every day I wake up and I just look at my timeline and I'm so just like, much. I really need. Like, it's bad enough that I already know how it's going to end. But just this idea of like the constant build up to it. And it's just bad. But yeah, yeah. I totally get it. I totally, totally get it. So mm. Yeah. And I have a January birthday. So that's always 
good for New Year. Oh, yes. You just celebrated <laughs> your birthday. What did you do? Uh, Nothing big. Just went out, like, for food and drinks. Mm-hmm. Went to the movies. Um, I saw that movie, Like Boss, <laughs> which... How was that? It's so stupid. <laughs> I tweeted... <laughs> I tweeted, I mean, there was some laughs, obviously. Uh, I tweeted that it basically solved racism. It's a very okay. interracial friendship. <laughs> um, spoiler alert, which really doesn't tell you anything about the plot, but spoiler alert, they perform a rousing, Tiffany Haddish and Rose Byrne together perform a rousing karaoke version. Well, not karaoke, well, yeah, karaoke, I was thinking lip sync. No, they're really singing. Um version of proud mary at the end of the oh, movie wow. together <laughs> see that's one of those movies just you know again i'm a, a very big fan of all both yeah, of them yeah, actually. yeah yeah it's but it's a great red i, I knew looking at it that it was going to be a really good red box movie yeah it's 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 there was some laughs there was some like cringe moments because the jokes weren't as funny as they thought they were and uh-huh. um but it's just one of those stupid comedies that I did appreciate it because, like, you know in those R-rated comedies, you always know there's going to be, like, a gross-out scene, like in Bridesmaids when everyone's shitting themselves, or (laughs) they didn't do that in this one. So I was like, you thought they were going to, or Girls Trip had the, you know, she... The the pee. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There, There was, like, kind of, but it was really tame in comparison to anything else. I was like, okay, thank you. I don't know why we always have to have that moment. Right. It was really funny in Bridesmaids, but <laughs> still. Mm. Um, no, I feel it. I appreciated that about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's totally... Get it on Redbox or when it comes to Netflix or whatever. Um, <laughs> you're not missing a ton. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, I have not been to the movies in so long. But speaking of which, it's funny mm. because... Being that I've not been to the movies in forever, <laughs> I leave for Sundance tomorrow, and I feel like they are literally throwing every single movie at me. You're um, about to see a lot of movies. Yeah, so we're going to be watching a lot of movies this week. Actually, you know, actually, honestly, I only have maybe, because I'm technically there to cover two, and then there are three that just for me personally, I'm like, I have to see these three movies. Um, and then the rest of them are just really networking opportunities. But girl, like, just even thinking about it, like, I'm sitting here chatting with you and trying to like live my best life but then like the back of my mind i'm like you need to pack and Mm -hmm. you still need to do this and you still need to do that like um i ordered masks like i'm gonna be i I order some masks to put on um because of that whole coronavirus thing you've heard about that right yeah i saw yesterday we got our first oh my god was it just yesterday that the first it was just yesterday well now there's two there was the one that happened in dc and now there's the one that happened in washington from what i understand there's two cases of it that there was one in dc i heard washington state but there's mm. one in DC too. Hmm. I saw. I, I from what I understand, and I might be a hundred percent wrong. So <laughs> come for me all later, y'all, because I'm always wrong. But I, from what I understood, I thought that there might have been a case in DC and a case in Washington State. However, I don't care where it has happened. I bought my black mask to put over my black face, um, and I am going to wear that on all <laughs> of the flights that I have in the next few weeks. I don't want anyone breathing or coughing on me. And if I look like Michael Jackson, I am totally okay with with that like i i just refuse like just generally like i i know we're going all over the place right now but just flying in general is gross and so just this idea of like being on a plane with people coughing and sniffling and mm -mm, i said girl no i i went on amazon and said let me go ahead and purchase some of these masks that i can wear 
Because I just can't do it. I can't. That, so. <laughs> isn't that mm-hmm. exactly how that movie Contagion started? Is yep. That, like... <laughs> that is exactly how it started. And it won't ha- like if if I can have any say over it, it won't be happening to me. I'll tell you that much. So, oh. um, yeah, that's that. Yeah, because the person who has it never thinks to buy the mask. You know, it's like <laughs> it. Because that could be an easy, you know, the person who's feeling under the weather never never thinks about, oh, I just, I'll wear the mask to kind of mm-hmm. guard, take care of everyone else. It's always yep. the people that are scared of it. And so, yeah, you know. it's, and that's the same people who don't cover their mouth when they talk. Yeah. So that's just, just nasty, but we're not, we're not going to spend any more time on rattling about how nasty flights and stuff can be. Um, <laughs> much like you, I honestly am in the same place. I spent last year reflecting and really trying to just let this year start off in a place of like okay girl like you can't spend too much time being mad about the stuff you can't change or the things Mm. that didn't happen for you um focus on the things you can so i've just been doing a lot of like internal work a lot of just allowing myself to kind of like consume myself and all of the things that i want to do and so like Writing has been fun. Teaching has been fun, even though I've been challenged that to an extent. Um, I, uh, I, I really, you know what? I was going to say something, but I have a feeling that some of my students might listen to my podcast, so I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> I, Hi, they students. Hi, st- I'm sure. Maybe one or two, for whatever students, they're very, very intrigued by me and what I do outside of teaching, so I'm we not going to say you. what I'm going to say. I do love them. I will I know, say that. This year, I'm just joking. teaching I'm has been an amazing opportunity, but there has been some challenges, and the students who've been in my classes, they know what those challenges are. So, with that being said, I think that that's ultimately what I'm gearing towards, and I'm trying to encourage other people to do, too. Um, I think we're not going to talk about this today on the show, but I think the one thing that I really took away before we move into where we're going to, and I think they both will segue really well. Um, I had tweeted a couple days ago about this thing uh, around, you know, us rushing um, and us trying to get to like a destination and always feeling like this pressure of like, I have to excel or I have to exceed. Um, And I told myself like, that was one of the goals that I had going into 2020. I told myself, I said, I am not rushing anymore like I said I felt like I spent the last three years always like what's the next opportunity and Mm. who's gonna you know who's gonna put me on something bigger or who who do I have to like excel over and it just got to a place where I was so overwhelmed in 2019 and it was like self-induced overwhelmed like it wasn't like I had a lot of things coming at me being overwhelmed it was me overwhelming myself and so that's what fueled I think a lot of my social uh so a lot of my social and my mental health issues that I had was this pressure that I was putting on myself to be more than what was on my plate and so I told myself I said in 2020 that's going to be the only resolution goal that I have is to just let every opportunity come within itself and to just be good with each of those and say whatever else comes i'm working towards that and when i get there that's fantastic so that's Mm. kind of where my head has been in a nutshell and that's been one of the ways i've been trying to maintain and stay positive um but yeah that's that's just me in a general nutshell so on that point i just Mm -hmm. read i don't remember if it was like the last book i read last year or the first book i read this year um since it's been so long since we talked um but i read this book how to do nothing Mm. um and the subtitle, it sounds like a self-help book, and it really isn't. It's more like essays. Um, it's, well, I don't want to say, whatever. 
I'll sound elitist, but like some of those self-help books are so schlocky, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever. It's like more literary essay type nonfiction, but the subtitle right. is Resisting the Attention Economy. And so it's all these, she talks about Jenny, o- Jenny O'Dell, I believe is the name of the author. Yeah, I think I've heard of it's, that. Yeah, it was yeah, a big heard, yeah. like bestseller and whatever. I just had mm-hmm. like sometime last year and I just got around to reading it. And it's all about, you know, like training and retraining what we put our attention into because everything is about making us feel like we're missing like this weird capitalist FOMO on a Mm -hmm. uber level because, you know, you're on Twitter, your attention is going 500 places at once. And it's all about trying to learn to not... It's the answer, she says, like, it's not like, oh, I'm quitting social media. It's just about reframing how you, what you give your attention to. Anyway, it was, Mm -hmm. I would recommend that book for anyone that's fed up with social media, feeling like they're always working, but doing nothing like this, that kind of buzz that's in the back of our heads all the time. She really gets into it and offers some, some are practical, some are like, well, duh, you know, some are better than others, but it's really smart look at what we do next because if we just keep going the way we're going with social media and the internet we're all gonna (laughs) I don't know what we're all gonna need a therapist and I think that that's been my biggest thing my therapist had told me and I think that that's been also something that has helped me a lot is muting people um specifically who I enjoy following but you know allowing myself that moment to be able to kind of check in on them versus me constantly seeing everything they Mm -hmm. post um, and, you know, because there are some people that I really love following. I enjoy following them. I enjoy following their lives, their work, um, you know, and, and looking at it from the, the standpoint of being motivated or inspiration. But then there are just some people that I follow where it's like every day there's this constant need to tell me what you're doing. Like you're telling me what article you're working on. You're telling me who you're company you're working with you're telling me who you're going out to dinner with or who you're rubbing elbows with and it's just like girl okay like yes you're in the industry and you're doing a great job we love to see it however we don't need to see it every moment of the day and I will be honest I got into that for a moment where I felt like I always had to have these grandiose announcements every single week you know to let people know what I was doing and I told myself going into this year you know and I was talking uh, to another social media person you may know them or you may not but me and Dana White were um going back and forth with each other um via text and we were just you know basically I was telling them like I am done with feeling like I have to constantly tell people how amazing or how great I am or how how much I bring to the table it's like I'm just gonna let my work speak for itself like the pitches and the articles that I write if you read them fantastic um you know the book that I that I'm working on or that I'm in talks to do fantastic like all the stuff that I'm doing I I just don't feel the need to constantly have to remind everybody how amazing Dr. John Paul is or how amazing the people are around me Mm. I will and so that's why like I said a lot of the people that I follow are you know lovingly muted because I was like (laughs) it was literally starting to affect the way that I saw myself and I saw my work and I had to tell myself I need to step back from that um so yeah so that's one of the I love that you make that book recommendation yeah you should look at that book if you're Mm -hmm. the sound like everything you're talking about I got some good insight from reading that book um Mm -hmm. from her so 
Yeah. Fantastic. Well, so today kind of segueing from like our, you know, how we're doings and how things have been, um, the syllabus that we have on the table is kind of like tied into the point that I brought up a couple of minutes ago about like quality of work. And so I wanted to frame it. Um, <laughs> Kevin laughed at me when I told him that I wanted to talk about this, but I felt like it's still like, I still felt like it's relevant, it's, it's relevant and it's important. Um, so I don't know where you are, Kevin, or what you've seen or what you've heard, but um, last week, or actually, so let's let's go back. About maybe a week before Christmas, Tyler Perry had posted a video where he had shown all of the people that follow him, like all of the scripts and all of the things that he was currently working on. So talking about this idea, right, of like, the, the constant pressures to see for someone to show you or for someone to remind you how successful or how talented they are. So there are all these conversations happening around just that video alone. Um, and basically he was saying, for those of you who don't know, he ultimately had said, I don't have a writer's room. I don't, you know, I, I write all of the stuff you see myself. Now there, <laughs> the funny and part about like, it. <laughs> That was what I was going to say. The thing that everybody was like, girl, we know. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like. It was clear. It's very clear that you write everything yourself. Like, we, we see this. Like, we see the quality of, you know, we see what you've put out. And so there was that. And then a week forward into that, right? So we get into, like, maybe the first week of January. Maybe about, I'll say, about a week ago. Um Taylor Perry comes out and he tells us that this past film that he had done was (laughs) was done in five days. And so I'm thinking to myself, I guess rumor rumor has this. There's all these speculations. All these does he think that's a so let's get into that (laughs) first girl because there are other points we are going to make around this this is not me shitting on tyler pierce i want to make this very clear but that's a fair thing to do for a minute too just a quick okay all right so if we're gonna do it let's do it however i think like the one thing i didn't want to do is i didn't want to come because i think that that's the thing i have to constantly like mind myself on is the fact that i am a black creator and i would probably feel like shit as somebody did a whole entire podcast around Dr. John Paul and how terrible his writing and his work is. So I want to make it very clear. There's some Tyler Perry movies I really enjoyed. Yes, like, so first, like, (laughs) Family That Prays. That's a good movie. I'll just stop there. Which one? Family That Prays. It was a good movie. I don't think I saw... That was the one with um, Alfre Woodard and um, Oh Girl. Oh. Uh, what's her name? What's what's Mama's name? Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates was in it. Oh. Um, and basically, they go. It's like they go on a. Um, it's it's basically a road trip, but it's more about this idea of like what what happens when two sides, two families from different sides of the tracks. They know each other. They're connected to each other. And what happens when, you know, each of them see each other. So yeah, there are a lot of different okay. things in that movie that I thought were really good. But I think that, I think that and Diary of a Mad Black Woman is where it stops for me around Tyler Perry. Um, I was never a big fan of any of the Medea movies because I felt like they were all the same. Um, never have seen, I mean, I watched Acrimony and Acrimony was absolutely the is, worst movie that I've ever seen in my life. Is, <laughs> is that the one where Kim Kardashian's like a sex? No, that's Temptations. <laughs> and I will always say this, that that movie broke my DVD player. I don't care what anybody says. I had a DVD player when I was in college and I went to the 
fucking red box and I like rented it to be like, oh, you know, let me support black art. And I put it into my DVD player, watched maybe I would say about 20 minutes of it. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I got like a blue screen of death. Like my, even my DVD player was like, we're not going to do this. Okay. Cannot. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, he does have some decent films and I say decent very loosely. Um, but I think when, when we got back to this conversation around him doing his movie in five days, I sat back and I had to ask myself because I know that there were, again, a lot of people on social media have thoughts around Tyler. And I know for myself, I, I sat back with myself and I said, when did we get to a point in relation to creating? Because I think of you as a creator too. Like you're a writer, um, us being on this podcast, like we still have to sit and we have to talk about how it's going to go. Like all of the things that we're doing both on and off the mic are elements of like creatives, our creativity. Yeah. And I think about it a lot, specifically when we're, we're talking about like Tyler Perry and the industry as a whole and like how quickly things are coming out. Or even when we get like talking about like Netflix and how they rapidly are throwing films out. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have made jokes that like Netflix is the place where films go to die. Like I, <laughs> I, I had to stop and ask myself, like, how could we or I wanted to shape this conversation around what is quality like in terms of creating and where does the standard lie now that we're in like a very different time? So like, let's go back a little bit. And I, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on this when we first, so I would say maybe circa 2006, 2007, when YouTube was, was just starting to kind of like jump off. Right. Mm. Um, I felt like even in the videos that I was watching between like 2007 to like maybe 2012, just in that little pocket of time, I felt like creators, I felt like filmmakers, I felt like even videos to an extent. Like, do you remember, like, even just like, now even thinking about music videos and I watch music videos and I'm like, these are so, there's no, and I understand it. I understand that there's no money put behind them. I know that mm. certain times it has a lot to do with the studio and how much the, you know, the, the company is going to give an artist to make a video. But I'm even thinking like, I always look back at like, I recently saw the Buster Rhymes What's It Gonna Be video and it just, I sat there and I was like, you could tell that the film director was Hype Williams. You could tell he put his heart into that video. And I'm just going like, when did we get away as creators from like putting our love, our soul and our our wholeness into our our work? So that's just where I'm at. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I know exactly what you mean because then the word that comes up for me is like authenticity. Mm -hmm. um because even even like old youtube videos if it was just someone like talking about something it just felt authentic like music right. used to feel more authentic than it does now so i think it's partly that we and now the more the more contrived it is almost the more chance of going viral like these are all set up situations. Nothing is just happening. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, remember when America's Funniest Home Videos first came out and it was just like actual weird things that have been caught on camera. And now it's like you're setting something up to happen to catch it right. on camera. And so I guess that kind of impulse or mentality has taken over everything. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're thinking about, I mean, maybe Tyler Perry thinks he is putting his heart and soul into every every the world will never know every script i mean mm -hmm. i know he's not putting that much time into the wig selection <laughs> in the movie you saw that clip you saw that clip where that lady's wig changed yeah, from five seconds scene. later 
What oh about? Oh my god, the ghetto. What about the wig he put himself in in the movie? There's. <laughs> It's like, well, we all know Tyler Perry's going to have bad wigs in his films. That's just the thing that most black people know. But, like, the Medea wig is the best one <laughs> that he's ever used. And that's... Okay, anyway. So, I don't want to get sidetracked by the wigs in Tyler Perry's mm-hmm. movie. Um, but they're... Yeah, so, like, when did we lose authenticity? Or when did we lose... Yeah. And I, I don't think everyone has, I obviously. Some, you know... I'll, I'll, I always say Beyonce <laughs> feels authentic in the art she creates. Um, even fans of other art, like it's hard to say that you can't argue with someone feeling an authenticity from someone, but it's hard to see it in these mm-hmm. in these like um, mass-produced pop singles where the artist the, or the the singer. I won't even say artist because some people just get like fed through the machinery. But this always, I guess this always happened because we had, I'm thinking, like, you had labels putting together groups in the past Mm -hmm. um, and manufacturing people like Britney Spears who had such a issue coming, like, dealing with that manufactured nature versus um, trying to be a real person. Even Beyonce has talked about being manufactured by a label or or by her parent her dad as 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 a young person and coming into her own as an artist but it seems to me now that it's you know it used to be like you were manufactured and you broke out of it to become the artist and now it feels pink i think pink is a great example of that like when pink first came out a lot of her first album not to cut you off sorry but like thinking about her first album and how manufactured that album was by la reed and then how she broke out with misunderstood and it was like this is who i really Mm -hmm. am so yeah you're so right but i was just gonna say that i think it's the opposite now even if you are creative Mm -hmm. and and actually please don't hate me if anyone who's a fan of this artist but (laughs) lady gaga is an example of the opposite i think because she did begin as like just herself behind a piano singing these songs stephanie Stephanie. and Mm -hmm. i mean i I would guess that they were like connected she was writing these songs connected and she became much more of a manufactured thing and persona as lady gaga but that's what drew the fame maybe that was actually kind of a turning point when lady gaga or people like mm. Nicki minaj putting on the character versus being authentic. being authentic and then it's yeah. it's now become kind of the opposite you start out trying to create art but that's not what sells so you kind of i don't want to say have to sell out but you become no, more but that's of the really manufactured you become yeah because the the formula is what hits and that comes back to tyler perry because he knows his exact form that's why he can write all these things himself because they all mm. follow the exact same formula that is making him money but it's not very authentic or it's not telling authentic stories in any way mm-hmm. um yeah so like why that switch or maybe it's always gone back and forth and it's not this defining moment but it seems now we're in a moment where authenticity does not it's not over yeah it, it, it doesn't it, it doesn't resonate with people the manufactured mm-hmm. thing resonates with more people 
Yeah. And he was on, so he recently, I think it was this past Monday, he was on the, um, on the view and he had made some comments in relation to, you know, why he doesn't have a writer's room, um, ultimately. And that's basically what he got at was this notion of like, I understand my viewers. I understand, Mm -hmm. um, who they are. I understand what they want. And he's like, yeah, maybe in the past. And so there's two interesting things that happened on that in particular interview, which uh, hearing and learning about the backstory, I guess one of the things someone had made mention of and again another conversation for a whole another different day but it's also extremely relevant and important here how he had made a comment that in his writer's room he, he basically said he had a writer's room and he had a very terrible experience with it and said he never wanted to do it again however on the flip from someone that i know who had said that they were associated with said writer's room i guess he had wrote something and someone in the writer's room had challenged him about that mm. and it said you always put out the same stories and a lot of the stories that you put out are in retrospect of hating black women giving black women hiv giving black women this really terrible burden to carry and you you do this in all of your shows both the comedic ones and the ones that are not and so i guess that was what initially was the kind of like the flip for him to say i don't want to be challenged that way i'm not going to do a writer's room anymore Hmm. i i circle that back to this idea too of like even thinking about the creatives that exist now in this world um, that we live in, we like to call post Twitter or, you know, this Twitter generation, Twitter, Instagram, but mostly Twitter and Facebook. I think there are a lot of creatives who think just because that they, you know, I think where my biggest thing was like, so back in the day, me and my husband talk about this a lot. We talk about how like back in the day when an artist came out, yes, they had to have support from the, you know, from whatever label they were on, right? You know, we had Jive, we had Zumba, we had, you know, LaFace, we had all these places that had to put, you know, some money behind them. But there was still this dirt and this grit that a lot of these artists had that said, I want to be successful. So you are going like, I'm going to give you every single reason to know why I'm like mm. the best singer, right? I'm the best artist or I am I should be v- valued as like the best rapper, right? Like you could ask Biggie to like, and I, I know this is going more towards music, but I think music and arts, it's basically an art conversation. Um, You know, Biggie, or I would watch Tupac or I would watch, you know, other artists, you would ask them to sing on the spot and they would, and you could just see how hungry they were to be singers or like even Brandy back in the day, like if you watch some of her old school performances you can really see how hungry both her or even monica were for their spot in the industry and so now i look at look at people specifically like folks like tyler perry or other writers or other creatives who have these very large followings online and they base that following off of the like meaning how much quality is in their work and i like to challenge that Mm. you know like even for me like i have 14.5k followers on twitter I could easily rest on that and, and and pitch an article that is like bullshit and basically say, well, you know, people love my writing because I'm Dr. John Paul and I have this, this following. But I guess for me, the biggest concern or the biggest thing that I've been wanting to challenge, and I've been saying this to a lot of my creators who are in my circle, being online and having a following or having success because of one or two things does not mean you don't have to hone your craft. And I think that that's been the biggest thing that has been frustrating me about Tyler Perry is for him to get on TV and say, oh, well, I know a formula and I know that that formula works. It's shitting on the people who genuinely like me are getting notes back, are getting responses back from other, you know, writers and again I, I hate name dropping because as you know and a lot of other people know I am in really big circles with people with big names but you know 
when I send my stuff over to, you know, so an exec friend that I have over at CBS and she gives me notes, I don't, you know, shrug them off and say, I know what I'm doing. You know, she doesn't know what she's talking about. It's like, no, you take those notes and you run with them. So I guess, you know, hearing that story about Tyler and him being frustrated that someone critiqued something he wrote in the writer's room and him for him to say, I'm not going to do this writer room at all. It just shows you, or it's just only feeding into this idea that you as a creative don't have to grow. And so I just think for me, like, I think the reason why I came to this conversation is, is that one, it's extremely frustrating to see people not take critical advice and to build their craft, but two, to see so many people resting on like the validation of social media as a reason for them to not have to grow their craft. Um, and it's just like, girl, like wh <laughs> why, like, why are we here? So I think that that's more of a pet peeve of mine than anything. But I think that that's literally where I, I came from in this conversation of like, if you have a craft, don't just rest on that craft to be successful, like constantly keep wanting to grow it and keep, you know, continue to keep learning it. Like, I think it just, ugh, I don't know. Like I just even like, even the thought of, like I said, five days, like I just recently shot, I know you know this, but I just recently shot a show and we shot a show in five days and it was like a mini series and just doing that alone, there was so much that we did not get to do in that five days. And it was just a television show. So I can only imagine how much, not necessarily trash, I don't want to say trash, but how much more, I don't know, it's just, well, you, it's something about that doesn't feel right You to don't me. even have to imagine, because if you watch the movie, you see it. <laughs> you, like, I haven't uh, even, like, full disclosure, I am absolutely going to watch this movie with, like, a little bit of whiskey and maybe, like, play a drinking game about, you know, every time there's some weird inconsistency, take a drink, something like that. But I've seen all the the screenshots and the clips on Twitter and even from that you can see just like how many uh -huh. things he overlooks right remember when it was that big huge deal when um uh, the mm. Starbucks cup showed up in Games of Thrones, Game of Thrones yeah. or something. Like every scene of this movie looks like one of those because it's like the judge behind the desk had his script in front of him reading and there's a shot from mm -hmm. behind him sh his shoulder and you can see that like you don't want those things in your movie you want your movie to yeah. be immersive so that the person watching well technically you would i guess at this point tyler perry is just blatantly saying he doesn't care about that anymore um right which is kind of disrespectful to the people and maybe he'll lose fans over this i don't know but he probably mm -hmm. won't um but this idea of disregarding um your viewer it it, it I, maybe part of the loss of quality when you were talking before I was going to say I think part of we've lost the idea of craft altogether people don't mm. don't have a craft because they don't have to and I've I've talked about this before with my hatred of the term content in general because I feel like when people mm -hmm. say my content that that means it's absolutely there's devoid of anything because like if right if you have writing you have an article you have an essay you have a book you have a whatever if you're a musician you have a song you have an album if you're you know like if you're a comedian you have a joke and a set and a whatever but con mm -hmm. just saying content is like this my feelers go up because i'm like oh this means someone is making apps and i'm sorry people if you <laughs> if you use that word it just is like one of a it triggers something for me that mm -hmm. that is devoid of craft 
And I don't know why, if you do, if you are a writer, you would want to use the word content instead content of content creator. Yeah, like yeah. I don't it it. I mean, from a business perspective, I guess if you're like working behind the scenes at a brand for PR or whatever, mm-hmm. you are a content creator. But now we've used that as like as a as a stand-in for artists. So, mm-hmm. and I think the rise of social media. This is all tying back to kind of what I that book I was talking about. And the ways the attention economy is like, it has to grab your attention. And it doesn't matter if it's bad or good. Like Tyler Perry is getting, it doesn't matter if he loses those fans because people are hate watching the movie to laugh at it. And he's laughing because you're still, he's still getting the money or he's still getting whatever. Mm -hmm. He's laughing his way to the bank. It made me think of that. I'm jumping all over the place, but it's like. The other thing on social media, it doesn't matter if it's bad or good. We're retweeting and giving the metrics mm-hmm. to those people. And that c- yep. curly hair, pippy, long-stocking braid gun girl who people, you know, who's been going around and posting all these videos and their people are reposting and being like, she owns herself. Like, she comes across. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You're still giving her the views. And I saw Francesca Ramsey mm-hmm. post the other day because she's always been one or like from very early on being like stop retweeting people stop quote tweeting people if you absolutely right. have to like dunk on them with some joke which also nobody yeah. absolutely has to do ever um mm-hmm. <laughs> you can screenshot, screenshot it because it then it. you're not yeah. giving them the retweet number but mm-hmm. it's like she's laughing all the way to the bank and she put this thing on her and i don't even people know her real name i don't know her real name it's like whatever um, and even if I did, I wouldn't say it out loud, <laughs> Right. but right. she posted and people are reposting that she's like, you can keep laughing haters or some bullshit. Um, you know, cause you keep sharing the videos. Yeah. We're, it's our fault. <laughs> this is why we have Donald mm-hmm. Trump as a president too. In, yeah. in, and that's, there's mm-hmm. other reasons why we have him, but that's a large part of it. And so I don't know how you turn, I said earlier, like, I don't know where we go from here on social media. We're all going to die or something because like, how do you go back to, Mm -hmm. to craft and quality when all that matters is speed and um, like number of clicks or attention because we're giving our attention. And in a lot of cases we're giving more attention than we, we give to the like things we believe are high quality to the hate watches and hate tweets and hate listens mm-hmm. of something. Mm-hmm. And I've struggled. I'm not innocent in all of this, but I've really over time. And especially since reading that book, trying to think of ways of either logging off, not retweeting something, shifting my attention to something else. I don't know how we do that as a, as a mass of people in big enough numbers to make it matter. Cause yeah. everyone's still watching that Tyler Perry movie. Yeah, and, and that's the reason why, yeah, I mean, and the same thing, I mean, it's the same reason why the Kardashians stay popular, it's the same reason why, you know, Sailor Tift is is so important, so relevant, like, it, and it's the thing, like, you know, because they know it's going to sell, and I think that that's been my biggest frustration, and I know since the inception of our show, we I don't know why we just didn't name our show Fuck Capitalism, but, <laughs> like, ultimately, I feel like that's what it really comes down to when you really think about it is, is that it comes down to the money metrics, and it really yeah. comes down to a lot of uh, a lot of people knowing their base and knowing that 
the you know the, these people are when i say these people i say general you know the world people on social media or whatever the case may be you know oftentimes people are not looking for quality people are looking you know i always ask my husband this too and not to not to sh you know shit on him or what he enjoys because i enjoy some of it too you know sometimes we'll be sitting down and we'll be watching tv and he'll be watching like real housewives of like you know, Real Housewives of, you know, Beverly Hills or Real Housewives of like New Jersey or whatever. And I'm just like, why do you watch this garbage? And he's like the same reason why we watch Atlanta. And I'm like, okay, touche, like valid point. Like there is this element of like us enjoying, you know, other people's lives or other people's personas in, in a way to get away from ours. And, you know, it oftentimes not being quality television or being a quality thing, right? So, you know, some people may say, I go to Tyler Perry because I don't expect his stuff to be, you know, very thought invoking or, you know, I find it to be mindless. And sometimes I just want to watch something that's mindless. And I think that that's fine. But I think for me... I feel like the problem that I have is when you have a creator that is outrightly telling you I make trash huh. because I know other people are going to consume it. Yeah. I think that's the thing that really bugs me. Like I, 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 I think of like folks like Andy Cohan who has been very, very vocal about not being, you know, that girl who wants to like cape for the LGBTQ community or wants to go up as an advocate. Like he's been very vocal of like entertainment is my thing and I love making a mess of stuff. That's just who I am and that's who you're going to get. And I, I, I support people who stand in that, but it's like I don't Tyler Perry. <laughs> and I don't either. I'm not saying that I do. I'm not saying that I do he's, either. I'm just saying. I would argue he's one of the major, like you brought up the Kardashians. The shift of reality TV is really that's a moment that needs to be studied as defining yeah. and, and changing. But Andy Cohen is one of the major, major figures in that world mm -hmm. who has brought us to where we are. I can't stand yeah. him. <laughs> oh, and I can't yeah. either. I think what he did to Kathy Griffin, I think is oh, terrible. And, yeah. um, I think what he has done for, to a lot of people, I mean, even down to like, you know, as much as I don't, like Nene Leaks, I, I will say that I look at what's happening with her and what's happening around her. And I think a lot of the stress that she has and a lot of the problems she's having is because of the ways that Andy Cohan has used other black women as ways to be like, basically vultures to take her down. Oh, yeah. And so it just... It's, 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 it, it, that in itself is a, a, a topic. Yeah. And I, I stand wholeheartedly behind you with that and saying Andy Cohan is trash. But what I'm saying is, is that I think ultimately we've gotten to a place where... There are people who initially, like you said, started off with a purpose and have let capitalism and have let money mm. and have let the industry break into their work and basically tear it apart. And so people start putting out trash because they know one, it'll sell and two, they know that they are only there to make a living. Like it no longer becomes about the quality. And I think that's the real, I think for me, that's the real come to Jesus I had to have with myself at the top of the year, because I kept asking myself, why is it that I'm not going where I want to go? Or why does it feel like I'm not getting where I want to go as quickly as I want to get there? And I had to take a step back and I had to realize, I had to ask myself, like, what are you willing to sell your show? What are you willing to sell yourself short, short for? And I feel like there are a lot of artists, specifically Tyler Perry, who could be saying, I have this big studio. I have this long history of films that have done very well. Um, I have all these connects in the industry to people who love me and love my work. 
Now I can use this platform to write and create content that's really going to say something about what's happening here in America, mm -hmm. what's happening around black women, what's happening around queer people, what's happening around, you know, the 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 this presidency. Like he could be doing all that. And I'm not saying that it's his responsibility to do that. But what I am saying is that when you get on a television so show and you say, yeah, I wrote this movie in five minutes and I don't really care about, you know, what other people think about it. I know my demographic. You're basically shitting and on all of the people who support you. That's just my thing. So, yes, continue to put out as much trash as you want. But I just I, I really have to challenge people and say, where are you in, in, in your own self to want to like, why is it that it's so hard for you to create something that's of quality? Mm -hmm. That's just my stake on it. There's yeah. also the the, um, you know, capitalism. Yes, there's this like, well, we'll give you this if you sell out. We'll give you this money, mm -hmm. you know. OK, so so and so makes these little um concessions or accommodations and slowly sells out or takes money from a big corporation and then has to sell out in other ways there's that but there's also another kind of more insidious piece of it because at least that we can see and like you can see someone yeah. move from one place to another you see stephanie germanata become lady gaga and i'm not right. saying she's less creative now or whatever but to me if, if she feels less authentic um, but there's also people who have nothing that have no like ambition to be writer, singer, comic, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I want, and this is the Kardashian effect. It's just, I want to be famous, right. famous, like with no, and I'm not saying famous fucked up too, because it's like it's an really, elitist yeah, and all of the relative, but you know, I, I just, as you're talking about the housewives and how much I hate Bravo and Andy Cohen, I found myself watching Vanderpump Rules last night. And oh, I'm God. watching these people who are nobodies. Mm -hmm. And I don't, again, I don't I have to preface this. I'm not like trying to say I'm better than them or anything. But with nothing, okay, the one girl has written a book now, but she started on the show, like, I don't think she wanted to be a writer, ultimately, but then this was another way to cash out on this thing. Mm -hmm. So they become, like, you're a bartender at a restaurant, that's your life, okay, that's a respectable yeah. life, but then reality TV makes it so that you're, like, famous mm -hmm. for no real reason, and so it's it's the whole mechanism of fame itself, but it's the fact that you don't even have to sell out, as a writer... I don't have to sell out and um, take a check for writing something I don't want to do anymore. I don't have to do the Tyler Perry thing. I can just be a person that does nothing really and mm -hmm. become famous. And so that's what's made everyone and the technology that we have to make it possible is really right. this thing. Like we can't go back from that, I don't think. Yep. And yeah. so I don't know what we do because everyone's a reality star now. Everyone with TikTok and that's and... the thing. Yeah, everybody wants to be famous now. That's really what it comes. And it's 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 even more. I, I'm gonna one up what you're what you're saying. Yes, everyone wants to be famous, but everyone is trying to be sponsored, or everybody wants an opportunity to cash in on whatever little thing that they've been able to to, to garner. Right. So, yeah. Everybody everybody's trying and people are out here saying like oh i can help you teach you how to make a viral tweet as if that's a, a mm -hmm. career move it shouldn't that shouldn't be a career move it should be let me 
pra- let me show you how to practice your craft and write your script and and make mm-hmm. it something. But no, everyone skips over everything and it's like, well, now we're just learning how to make viral tweets or a memeable TikTok video or, you know, mm-hmm. that girl who drank a fucking kombucha and made a face moved to yeah. L.A. off mm-hmm. of that. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is... And I'm not saying maybe in her other work she's a comedian and she does that, but that was like, I, I, I don't know. I, th- yeah. And I, I don't think it's new that everyone wants to be famous because, of course, you you know, 1940, you watch the movies and you're like, oh, I would love to be famous. But the space between it, mm-hmm. fame and the general public, I guess, has shrunk, which doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing, but the way it's shrunk, I think, is a really damaging thing because everybody acts as it's not that everyone wants to be famous everyone acts as if they already are famous kind of ah that's a really good point and expects and like you said expects the brand deal and express expects a sponsorship for what like somehow nothing to go for go with it out of luck you've amassed twenty thousand followers because you have a pretty face or -hmm. something i don't know and now like you're getting paid to do all this stuff and go on free trips and all you have to do is mention the name of this product but it's it's just it's so wild to have maybe people say this of every generation it's so wild i think to have seen the rise of the internet in general this is like a really interesting generation like generation x I would say even more than millennial because millennial is already kind of in in shrouded in it um, at the very first. But like, I remember when I got a first computer, I remember when MySpace or what was even before that Friendster um, and -hmm. all these things started. And now it's like, what could we ever do without them? And if I don't watch five hours of TikTok videos today, oh, my God, like, I don't know what. Yeah. And I don't know how to describe it other than it's like everyone thinks, I think that's it. Everyone thinks they are already famous and already has the entitlement of thinking that they're already famous and should be treated as such has, has mm-hmm. become a normal frame of mind. Yeah. Not to say that anyone is entitled to be, tre- right? It's so hard because we have to preface it with all these things, like not to say anyone should be treated better because they're famous. Like that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But then the fact that everyone already expects to be treated that way, well, doesn't that make us more equal? Well, no, actually, it kind of fucks yeah. everything up. I just really want people, you know, I think in all that you're saying, I think my biggest thing, you know, to kind of, you know, because we're, we're, <laughs> we, we've mm. got to move into the next segment. But I think the the, the one thing I think I really want I wanted to bring this topic up and I wanted to say this is like, you know, specifically knowing that we are at the top of the year and both of us have so many different endeavors, you know, there's like for me, I think the one thing that I take from you, right, like we've had conversations offline about the stresses we have as as instructors um, and the pressure to do our classes, whether they be online or off well, right, like my number one thing became like, you know, like I told myself next semester, I'm not just teaching to teach. Like I am genuinely going to do my best to make sure that every single class, every Mm. single moment in my class with my students is intentional. Right. So there's enough, that's one part in one segment of my life. I told myself I am no longer going to pitch just random of the mill, you know, thought, 
you know, what Dustin Ross calls his stink pieces. Like, you know, where it becomes real easy for me to just push like, oh, so-and-so, you know, flip with these boots like right. I did last year. You know, I don't I don't want to be known as someone who's just looking to write to say that they are a writer. Like, I, I want people to be able to read my reading or read, this, or read my writing and read the stuff that I'm putting out there into the world and say that really spoke to me. That really got me thinking about something personal. I really need to do some work around that. And I'm like, that's what I'm here for. Like, yeah. I, I, I just, I think for me in this conversation, like I'm really just trying to get people to think about, like you asked that question, like how do we come back from it? I think we really just need to get back to a place where we're really challenging people around their talent. And I'll be very, very transparent. I've had several people challenge me around my talent. And I think that, you know, reflecting on that, like for instance, I had an opportunity last year to write for ABC that I blew because I was not where I needed to be with my, with my spec, you know, they read it and they thought it was trash. And that's that was just a reality check for me of like, you need to write better TV. Like you need to figure out how do you write mm. better scripts. And I think about that often, like, you know, who are the people in these positions that are holding people accountable for the trash that they put out or, or for the content that they put out that's not up to par? And I think about it. If we were to say, okay, Kim, okay, Courtney, okay, <laughs> whatever other Kardashian <laughs> there is, there's like 80,000 of them. Um, you know, what, you, you know, what do you have to offer outside of just your looks? Like, and I think that's why Kim is trying to do what she's doing with the whole justice thing. And I don't follow her enough to know or care what that woman is doing. But I think like, I, I appreciate that there have been companies and organizations that have said, we are not going to work with you because you have nothing to bring mm. to us. And, and I've, I've, I've heard about it, like on the other end of the, uh, of, of what I do, I've heard companies say, we had so-and-so come into our office and sit down with us and they had brought nothing to the table. And so we, you know, we told them to get up and leave. Like, I think like that for me is what's going to solve this problem. Because like you said, in the fifties and the sixties and the seventies, you had to have talent. You had to be able to dance. You had to be able to sing. You had to be able to act. You had to be able to do all three of those things to be in a film sometimes. And I, I just, I, I feel like we've got to a place where we've gotten so content with the mass production and the mass ways that we we, we create quote unquote um and, and no one is being held to the fire mm. around their talent so i think that's just been my thing for me like i think that's how we get back to this place of like quality is asking people like what is your talent and what do you truly have to say around that talent and how does that talent add to the plethora of things that is already out there so yeah which is not yeah. to say that people aren't kept out of industries, right? You always mm -hmm. have to, because then when you make this, oh, so then, you know, if we keep going on this talent argument, the, the white people in charge will just keep putting more and more white people. Like, that's a separate issue. People are kept out of industries, right. women, people of color, queer people, and their stories aren't told, da-da-da-da-da. But they still have to be, just because you're a woman, a person of color, a queer person, doesn't mean you're producing a quality... A, p a quality product right mm -hmm. so there has to be mm -hmm. both of these things and yeah oftentimes people of color women queer people have to produce things that are 10 times better just to get it seen but uh. that doesn't mean that we should accept every tiny scrap of of whatever as content that we herald like i don't know right there's it just goes back and forth and then that's the other thing that goes back to tyler perry like just because he's there and putting stuff out does that mean we should accept it as like what <laughs> yeah is the definitive 
black director, whatever. I don't know. Just to kind of like try and tie it back to the, to the, whatever. You're so right. You're so right. So I feel like we've exhausted yeah. the conversation. Just basically, if you're going to put out shit, make sure it's good. Uh, that's basically Do all we're trying homework. to say. Study. Do your homework. Study. Get some notes. Yes. Be okay with making some good, make, you know, making revisions. And and something someone said to me, I'll say this and then we'll, we can move on to, um, we can move on to the, the you know, the uh, sandbox and then we can call it a day. Um, someone had said something to me of like, when someone gives you a critique, it's not them taking a shit on your stuff. They are only wanting to make you better. And so that is the one thing I really just want people to hear and know yeah. and understand that I just want us to get back to this place where we own our crafts and we literally pour ourselves. Like I think about Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson up to the time that he passed away even in this is it he was so particular about how things looked he was particular about how things sounded he was particular about like he just knew his craft and i just want us to get back to that like i want us to get back to this place where we're not just putting out you know stink pieces or we're not just throwing up movies on netflix we are genuinely working hard to put out the best content that we feel we can put out so there's that on that so um yeah that's that's basically it we don't um considering that this is the um first episode of the year i don't think that we have anybody who may have questions in our our box so we'll just go ahead um let's shout i guess shout it out we'll shout out our um our email address you can send us an email if you have any questions, thoughts, um, a particular, you know, episode that speaks to you. Feel free to send us an email or drop us a line at AskLearnt. Um, and that's L-E-A-R-N-T um, at gmail.com. We are always checking our box and we would love to hear from you. So, um, yeah, send us some questions. Let us know what your thoughts are. We would love to get your feedback on um, on all of the stuff that we've been talking about for the, we'll say the year and a half that we've been doing the show. Um, all right. So with that being said, we're going to move into our last segment of the episode, which is our sandbox. And currently what is on your mind, Kevin? Um, well, I tweeted this the other day. I know we've talked about traveling before, but like I, I tweeted humanity really doesn't deserve nice things because of the way we the proof is the way we act on airplanes like that's mm-hmm. I can just really leave it there. Like, I just don't understand how everyone acts like the minute the wheels touch down, like we still have to wait for people to get <laughs> off. I don't know. Or like we were the the pilot had just said we're we're like starting to land everyone in their seats and someone stands up to go to the bathroom and the flight attendant is like, sir, you can't. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, and he just does it anyway. And he's like, then the flight attendant, which I liked, <laughs> he just like out loud was like, you had the whole damn flight. <laughs> yep. And I was like, thank you for just voicing that a little bit. Because like, honestly, what is someone thinking? I know there are situations that come up and quick things that need to happen. But this was definitely just someone strolling up to the, did you not hear that? Like we just ha- it's like everyone, and this kind of connects to what we were saying, everyone is just so involved in what they want to do, what their own thing, this entitlement that we have, that maybe we always mm-hmm. had, but seems like it's so much worse right now. And this wasn't even a young a young person, it was an older person, um, like a middle-aged person. And it's like, mm-hmm. why, you just heard them say that. What makes you think that you don't have to do 
what was just said to everyone like everyone's instructions what makes you you are correct. and it's not just on airplanes either i could just put this out there like why are you you know as i'm i'm at a coffee shop and someone walks in and orders something that's not well can you um can you give me two eggs on a roll with da 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 like no we don't is that on the menu no um <laughs> okay well what do you have well the menu's right there above your head right uh, so maybe you could just take them in. I don't know. Just give me, no, just like, why is everyone, <laughs> yeah. you know, these are things that we all have to do living in a world with other people that make it nice and easier to live. And like, I just don't get what it takes for a person to think that they're so exempt from those rules. That's what bugs me. Privilege. Well, yeah, that's what yeah. it is. A lot of people, and that's the thing too, like I even think, you know, we the, the word privilege has become so circular yeah. in terms of people only thinking that it applies to white people. And I'm going, no, no, because there are a lot of black people who wield their privilege around too. And I think about it from the constructs of like having a little bit of money. And I think that's been like a big thing, like specifically with flying. And again, I don't want to beat this to death, but like with flying, what really, really bugs me about people when they fly is the elitism that soon, that jumps into people as soon as they get you know, past TSA. It's like, you know, well, why are you standing here? And I have a higher number, so I, I, I need to go stand in the front. Oh my and it's God, like, the girl, boarding. nobody <laughs> is going to take your seat. Right. Like, nobody is going to take your seat, sis. Like, you have a number. You have, a, like, if you're not flying Southwest, you have nothing to worry about. Well, I don't want to run out of luggage space. Well, sis, you should have paid more so that you could sit in Comfort Plus and you could get in front. But don't push in front of me in order for you to be able... Uh, and that you you're just giving me anxiety because I have literally six flights that I have to catch in the next week and I am not looking forward to it. It's like so, the boarding um, and the deplaning. Everyone just loses their mind and doesn't understand how to line up. Instead, it's just like a, a I don't even know what to call it, a blob of people. That's like that's not a line. Are Why are you trying to stand in front of me? and then deplaning when everyone stands up? I'm like, look, we have to wait. We have to. Oh my God, you standing up is not going to get you off this plane sooner. You standing and breathing over me, coughing over me, rubbing your ass against my face is not going to get you out of here sooner. Oh my God. And I'm so blessed. I will say this. I am so thankful. I want to shout out the people at um, the, some of the people I'll be up in New York in the next couple of days doing some work. I want to shout out the people who have hired me to come up there. They blessed me with first Ooh. class. And this will be my first time ever on a Delta flight being in first class. Oh, you Thank got a live tweet. Like, I just, you got a live tweet that or, or do some video. Girl, you know I am. You know I am. I am so looking forward to it because flying and coach, people don't talk about that enough. Flying and coach is the ghetto. And it only gets worse when you have a middle seat or when you have people who genuinely just don't care. Like they, for whatever reason, they feel like they own the entire yeah. plane. So I, I, I just, I cannot. So I'm not looking forward to my four o'clock flight in the morning, but you know, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, there's that. Anyway, with that being said, um, kind of, kind of in the same realm of elitism, we've kind of been on the same wavelength all day today. Um, my, my kind of petty pee slash, you know, sandbox gripe is people. So I've, so this is, so, so I'm going to preface this in explaining kind of where I live and what I'm noticing and what, how this all ties into my pet peeve. Um, 
so where I currently live, they just built a massive, like, so gentrification is a, is, is a thing where I live in Southern California and I'm watching it happen before my eyes. They just, where I've lived, my apartment complex has been here for, I probably would say maybe about 10 years. They just built in the last two years, a very brand new, like, um, picturesque, uh, apartment homes across the street from me and then on the other side of where I live which used to be a massive open field they just built a whole bunch of new condos and so I say all of that to say that in the process of them building up this area they have put car dealerships here mm. and it's not just your regular car dealerships there is an Audi dealership there is an um, Infinity dealership there's a BMW dealership and I think we're getting ready to get one for it's either Jaguar or some other high brand named car so what happens is on the street that I have to take to get out of my apartment, this street leads to all of where these car dealerships are. And oftentimes you get a lot of people who are going to these car dealerships either to test drive a car or to get their car serviced or whatever the case may be. My point in making this statement is that people who drive nice cars, I don't know where the fuck your mind goes when you get behind the wheel, but just because you drive a nice car does not mean that you have to drive like shit. <laughs> and there's a lot of people out here in Cali specifically because of where I live. Um, they like to call the area where I live. I'm not going to tell all y'all where I live so you can try to find me. But I live in an area that they call the Beverly Hills of, of Southern California. Um, it's Because again, I don't live in Beverly Hills, but the area in which I live in is a nicer area of the area I live in, which is considered the quote unquote Beverly Hills of where I live. So all of that to say, there are a lot of high brand name people that come throughout here. I think we actually are, I think there's talks of like getting an Ikea too. And there's a Land Rover dealership that's supposed to be coming here. And there's all these different things that I keep seeing on my newsfeed when I check in on what's happening around where I live. But my biggest pet peeve is this idea that every single person who drives a nice car in this area that I live in literally drives like nobody else <laughs> is on the road. They don't signal. They don't stop at stoplights. They do a lot. I mean, California rolls are a thing here, which I'm totally okay with. Like the California stop, I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I do it. So I'm not going to knock other people for it. But I just get so tired of like, like literally, sis, like just because you drive a nice car does not mean that you don't have to obey the street laws. Yeah. And I just feel like I see people in BMWs like going faster than everyone else, running stoplights, running stop signs. And it's just like, really, sis? Like, really? Like, what? what I, I just, I don't get it. And maybe because I don't drive like a super nice car, I don't get it. But it really grinds my gears. Mm -hmm. Really. So that's my pet peeve of the week. I know it's probably really silly, <laughs> but it's just really, really annoying. So I just guess I just wanted to say that on the record. Stop driving like an asshole if you drive a nice car. <laughs> Thanks. For the good of the people. All right. So, um, girl, you got any announcements you want to tell the people? Um... No, I was just in Atlanta doing some stuff, um, which I loved Atlanta. I want to go back and visit more. It was my first time actually seeing. Girl, did you go to the Waffle no, House? No, they wanted to take. Oh. I wanted to go to the Waffle House, um, and they were going to take me, but then the person who was driving me around um, was like, "Oh no, you need to go somewhere better." <laughs> and I was like, "The Waffle House is." I was like, "I yes, know what it, I... it is, but like it's a because yes, I was yes. in Decatur where the very first Waffle House ever was, uh -huh. so it was like also a museum thing." But anyway, I didn't get to go to the Waffle House, but I want to go back there Aww. and um, like spend vacation time because I loved Atlanta. Um, I'm gonna be mm. in Chicago at Morton College, well outside Chicago. 
but not till February 20th. So still, okay. still a little ways. And then some stuff in March, but we'll talk again before then. So mm-hmm. what about you? Okay. Well, you're at Sundance cool. tomorrow. Yeah, so tomorrow I leave for Sundance, and I just wanted to, like, big up and shout out um, both the Sundance Institute and um, Time's Up. They are ultimately sponsoring me to go. Um, so I'll be there with a lot of other people. I'm really, really excited. There are quite a few films that I'm really, that I, that actually I'm being commissioned to cover. Um, the Zola film, I don't mm. know how much you know about Zola, but do you remember the Zola story, yeah. how it started on Twitter and became a film? So I'll be covering that film. There's also a couple of um, panels. I know HBO. Um, and glad are doing one about the representation of queer people in media that I will get to cover. And then there's also the disclosure doc, which I'm really excited about because my friend Travel is in it. A couple of other people that I know in the industry are in it. Um, and, and, and just I'm disclosure. What? Yeah. It's a, a doc about trans oh, okay. people. Yeah. Um, so a trans, just trans non-binary experiences. So really, really, really excited for that. Um, I leave to go to another institution. I'm going to leave them nameless, um, because I just genuinely, um, yeah, I don't want people to know that I'm going there, <laughs> but, um, I have an institution that I will be going to, uh, next week to do some work. And then after that, I actually will be in Wisconsin. Uh, I'll be doing some speaking slash work around queer trans, um, trans inclusion at that institution as well. Um, there are a couple of other cool, like really cool things coming down the pipeline. I know, I, I know many of you who follow me on social media already know, been working really hard on my script. I've gotten some really good feedback. I really do believe that I have um, something that, you know, that, that is worth sharing. And so just kind of trying to inspire people. I know, um, I was looking at the numbers. I told my husband this last night, I said, I looked at the numbers of, you know, what I made last year as a freelancer. And while they weren't super duper high, I think the coolest thing about it was knowing that I was able to, all the money that I brought in last year was money that uh, around stuff I wanted to do versus me feeling like I was just working to work. So wanting to encourage people this year, like this, if you're feeling like you don't know what you're doing or you don't know where your life or your work is going, keep going, keep trying, keep pushing, you know, pushing for good things will come. So that's genuinely it for me. Um, I'm a little tired. Um, <laughs> but overall, I'm just really excited to be back. And uh, I can't wait for us to continue to keep building. I think, you know, having really hard conversations and encouraging people to come into these conversations will be kind of our MO for the rest of the year. So that's it. All right. That is that. Yes, girl. All right. Well, you know where to find us online. You have any other things you want to share? No. Oh, I got some Ivy Park. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lucky bitch. You got you got it. And we I, were going to talk about that. And then we ended up changing the topic. It was Go very ahead. random, though. Like, I was flying to Atlanta. I didn't try for the pre the day before. It came out on that Saturday. I was just like, let me just log on because I heard someone say that ASOS was selling it and I logged on. Yeah. And apparently just by like freak of nature accident at the exact right time because I just saw it and thought like, oh, she's stocked everything because I'd been on a plane. I wasn't even checking social media. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, it's just stocked here. So I like casually put two things in I wanted then I debated over the shoes I had them in my cart and then I took them out and said well everything's in stock so I'll just get them later if I really want them and bought it yeah and then tweeted it and then like everyone started yelling at me and I went straight back like within two minutes and everything had sold out so it was like a weird fluke but I got a shirt and a pair of sweatpants and 
they don't fit like I exactly like I want them to, but I can't exchange them because it's all sold out. So whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes. I, that was my you, big win of the day, or I guess. My whole gripe is I can't afford. I, well, one, right. I can't afford nothing uh, in her line. Oh, but on top of that, too, nothing fits me. So, you know, it is what it is. One of these days I'll, I'll be able to own something Ivy Park. But as it stands right now, the only thing I wear is just the two little Beyonce shirts that I got. <laughs> Um, so it is what it is and I guess I'll figure it out when I can, but overall, um, thank you everybody for listening. We appreciate you supporting us. Um, continue to follow us on social media. If you do follow us on, you know, iTunes or, um, uh, where, where else are iTunes, all the places, Stitcher, all the places. Spotify, all the other places that matter make sure that you follow us on social media you can find us at axe learn the podcast you can um, leave a review yeah, and, too no, if, le- you, if you like yeah. us that would be cool if you left a review on whatever Please. platform those look those make us look good to other to get other opportunities <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, please leave a review and let the people know um, basically that we are just, you know, we're out here trying. trying. Honey. We are truly trying. Leave that as a review. So, they tried. Mm-hmm. We trying, boo. We trying. All right. With that being said, thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye. We got a moment